Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. So the people that the book has really meant something to and that people have found real purpose in the book. So it wasn't just literary critics. It wasn't journalists. It was people who the book had really touched. And that was the resounding kind of feeling. Welcome to the final Heart to Heart with Anna episode for Heart Month, February 2023. This is our 28th consecutive brand new episode. Our second year in a row to do an entire month of new shows in February in order to promote awareness of congenital heart defects by having a wide variety of episodes for the public. I am Anna Jaworski, a writer, publisher, and a heart mom to an adult with a single ventricle heart. That's the reason I am the host of your program. Today, I will be chatting with Vicki Gooden, the author of My Wonderline and the winner of the 2022 Baby Hearts Press People's Choice Award. In this episode, we will hear about how Vicki came to write her book, what it meant to her to win the Baby Hearts Press People's Choice Award, and what the future holds for this very special author and her book. Vicki Gooden is a senior consumer marketing professional with a career spanning over 18 years. She spent 15 years in the creative entertainment industries, working with record labels and broadcast television. She headed up United Kingdom and international marketing teams. Now, Vicki is a freelance marketing consultant, working with small businesses and industries, including interior design and healthcare. A full-time mother, Vicki understands the rigors of motherhood, She is a blogger and encourages other bloggers as well. In the congenital heart defect community, she's probably best known for her book, My Wonderline, which is a children's picture book about a little girl and her scar based on Vicky's own daughter, who was born with a congenital heart condition. Let's get started. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna Vicky Gooden. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so pleased to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you. And in case you can't tell, folks, she's from the United Kingdom and has that lovely UK accent. It's so much fun to hear it. Let's start by briefly talking about something that I saw on your blog. It appears you had fertility problems and you felt it was important to blog about that. I think that's a really important topic as well. But then I read that you kept the pregnancy a secret. So I read your blog post. But maybe not all of my listeners have done that. So can you tell me why you felt it was important to hide your pregnancy from social media? Sure. Thank you so much for asking such an important question, Anna. I love talking about my fertility journey. So my pregnancy was the result of three rounds of IVF. Subsequently, I 
suffered a cervical ectopic pregnancy the year before my successful pregnancy. And I just felt really that was such a harrowing experience to go through, both physically and emotionally. Sure. That by the time we were lucky enough to have a successful pregnancy, I guess there was an amount of fear, really, exposing that news. And I had a small amount of followers on social media and I had written about my ectopic pregnancy. So I had garnered a small following of people that were also on their own fertility journey. Right. So there was an element of fear in that I didn't want to expose it because I was nervous about getting to full term and having my healthy baby. And there was also the part of me that didn't really want to expose too much about what it was like to be pregnant because a lot of my followers were still on their journey. I felt super uh, mindful uh, that I didn't want to be, look at me, I'm now pregnant. Because right. even though it had been a struggle and I had been through an ectopic pregnancy, which was just absolutely awful. At the end of the day, anyone following me would see that I was now successfully pregnant. I just didn't want that to trigger anyone because I know that I had been quite triggered in seeing pregnancy announcement posts in my own journey. So I guess it was twofold then. So fear of putting it out there because then that might mean that people felt they could ask me loads of questions about my pregnancy. And I'm sure all those questions would have been well-meaning and decent questions, but even just someone saying to you, how far along are you? That can be triggering enough. So there was an element of self-protection. I think I wanted to put a little barrier around my tummy to to negate any of that sort of triggering questioning, I guess. I actually had a friend in college who had an ectopic pregnancy and it destroyed one of her fallopian tubes, which made it questionable whether she would ever be able to get pregnant. And as scary as that is, I think what was even scarier was that she could have died. It's a very serious experience for a woman to have. And yeah, heartbreaking and very traumatic. So I think that was very sensitive of you to decide to wait and brilliant of you to protect yourself and your baby. Going through pregnancy is hard enough. We have all those hormones that are going crazy in our body and it's very easy, or at least it was for me. And I didn't have the same experience that you did, but it was so easy for me to cry at a Kleenex commercial. (laughs) (laughs) So I can't imagine being peppered with questions that could be triggering. That would just be too much. So I think that was really a smart thing for you to do. But I thought it was interesting that you shared photos on your blog. And then you said in your blog that you also journaled at that time. So can you tell me the role writing has played in your mental health while going through an in vitro fertilization and ultimately a pregnancy and the birth of your precious daughter? Yeah, absolutely. So prior to the ectopic pregnancy, I hadn't really blogged about fertility at all. I've done odd blogs about nutrition or I don't know the fashion here and there. I don't know why I did that. But but then when I was actually going through the ectopic pregnancy while I was in hospital, I was in for five days, I think, I cleared it with my husband that I wanted to write about it. People didn't even know that I was going through fertility treatment because I hadn't put that out there. But I was in my hospital bed and I, just, I guess I felt quite lonely and my go-to was always thing to write, whether it be when I was seven years old writing diary, diary Aww. entries, but I said, you know, dear diary, to being in this hospital bed and just having nothing much else to do. I didn't want to watch anything on telly. I didn't want to particularly read anything. I just wanted to write and get my pain, my feelings down on paper. 
or a computer. I was going to ask you that. So did you write with pen and paper or did you write on computer? Actually, my phone. So I didn't have my computer in the hospital. So I just wrote on notes on my phone, cleared it with my husband because obviously that the whole story massively involved him. And he just said, you do whatever makes you feel better right now because you're pretty down, pretty low. So do whatever you need to do. So I think on one of those evenings that I was in hospital, I just wrote that I'd had an ectopic pregnancy and that was only seven weeks from on. So it was very early to lose a pregnancy. But, but you knew you were pregnant, right? I knew I was pregnant. We'd just yeah. been away for a few days. We were super excited. And this came after years of trying naturally. This stuff that around the by the year. And we thought we'd, we were there. We thought we'd achieved what we were longing to achieve. And I just got it all down on my blog. I already had a blog, so got it down on there. And just poured my heart into it and pressed publish. And it was a strange situation, actually, because in putting it out there and putting it out on my Instagram as well, I actually ended up connecting with another lady in the UK who was also in hospital at that time having an ectopic pregnancy. Oh, my so gosh. Her and I, yeah, so wow. her and I connected just because I'd been honest about my own experience and had found a way to connect with someone else going through a very similar experience. And actually, a few months later, we actually met up in London and went to an event together and just talked about it all and how our different experiences has been. So... I'd say I was in a very lonely place, a very scared place. I was petrified, actually. Petrified about what was happening to my body, if it meant that I could never get pregnant again. Just scared. Just really scared. And I guess writing allowed me to realise that I wasn't alone. There were badly tons of other people going through very similar experiences. What I hear you saying is that the writing helped you compartmentalise your experience, but it was through the publishing but you actually reached out to connect with people. Vicky, that's so brave. Yeah. It, really, it, uh, that's so brave. Thank you so much. It felt really good. I went for a place of desperation because feeling like I had a purpose. I guess when you lose a pregnancy, there can be these feelings that surface around feeling like a failure. And which yeah. is a very sad and desperate place to be. So in writing and connecting with other people and, and I guess subsequently supporting other people and then supporting me, it felt oh. I had this weird other purpose now. It's not the purpose I thought I was going to have in life, but if it was serving anyone, then just one person, then it was worth it. I guess from there, I gathered a little following of, about people going through fertility issues on Instagram, on my blog. And yeah, leading into my successful pregnancy with my daughter, I did write about the different treatments I was having. So from acupuncture to, yeah, to going for long walks because that would clear my head. I didn't explicitly right. say that I was pregnant again, as we've covered, but I think people could tell that clearly that I'd been on an IVF journey and had an ectopic, but they clearly knew that I was trying to get pregnant. So it was hard to then avoid that subject. So yeah, I thought kind of hit out about, yeah. The, but I the love kind of... the photos that you shared later. And I love how you took the time to explain to people why you did keep it a secret. And I think anybody who's gone through your journey would completely understand why you did what you did. That takes me to the next big experience you had and how I believe writing probably played a part in that again. And that is you having a daughter with a congenital heart condition. So can you tell me when you discovered you would have a daughter with a congenital heart condition? So she was a year old when we found out that she had a congenital heart defect, which kind of a huge shock because we know we have this healthy pregnancy all of the scans that you could possibly want plus more because I was slightly freaked out about being pregnant. 
So I had additional scans to make sure she was okay along the way. But was absolutely fine. All the health checks at birth were fine. And across that full first year of her life, nothing to say that she was suffering in any way or had any kind of health issue. Yeah, it wasn't until she had a slight fever and a bout of bronchiolitis that led me to take her to our GP, our doctor. And he did the routine checks, checking her temperature, checking everything that you check with a small baby. And when he listened to her chest, he discovered a murmur. And he said to me, don't worry, because actually when kids have fevers, they will quite often hear a murmur. And that's quite normal when fevers are present. So basically, just bring her back after she's well, and she has this illness cleared up, and we'll listen again. And so I took her back. And I wasn't worried at this point. I distinctly remember, oh, she's fine. Of course she's fine. Sure. I just even Googled it. And so I took her back and he listened again and said, there's a definite heart murmur. And I guess at that point, I just was all nervous, to say the least. We were then referred to a paediatric cardiologist, an amazing guy in London who works with Great Ormond Street, so you know, the best children's hospital in the UK. And he did tests on her, scans, ultrasound. And I remember her being on my lap. My husband was to my left. She was on my lap on this little hospital bed. He was scanning her. And I just couldn't believe it when he turned and said, it's not an innocent murmur. And my husband didn't quite catch what he said. I was trying to keep her happy because she's this little one-year-old bobbing around. Sure. Not knowing why all these things were on her. So my husband then was asking me, what did he say? And I couldn't repeat it because I think I just had this lump in my chest and my throat I just couldn't I don't think I could breathe really right and the yeah. doctor says we have to do open heart surgery and oh I my goodness at that, at that point he didn't I even just, tell you he said it's not an innocent murmur and he went straight from not an innocent <laughs> murmur to open heart surgery that, that, that's why not for bacon I think I'm probably distorting it because it just felt so horrific but red. That's, yes, and exactly. that's what's important is that's yeah. the way you remember it. So yeah. what is her condition? So atrial septal defects, a significant hole in the upper chambers of her heart, which children are quite often born with holes in the heart that they can close over that first year. And this doctor just said of such a size that it will not close on its own. The only option is open heart surgery. And I'm sure we asked questions. We must have asked questions, but I was in such a blur at that moment. The only way I can describe how it felt was in the movie sometimes when you see someone stood still and everything else is just carrying on around them in sort of top speed. I felt like it was just a crazy situation. And of course, my one-year-old was on my lap, not knowing anything was wrong. And there was me and her father just dumbstruck. Just absolutely couldn't believe what was going on. Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home tonight forever. 
This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The opinions expressed in the podcast are not those of Hearts Unite the Globe, but of the hosts and guests, and are intended to spark discussion about issues pertaining to congenital heart disease or bereavement. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Your story is very compelling, Vicki, and I also didn't find out until after my baby was born. Of course, my baby's a lot older than your baby. <laughs> but I had three... Ultrasounds, we couldn't agree on the date that the baby was due. So they did several ultrasounds that they may not have done because I had already had one healthy child and we weren't expecting anything to go wrong. So I totally understand what you mean, where you feel like your world stands still. Things are going on around you, but for you, you're just frozen in time and disbelief that somebody could tell you something so unbelievable about your child. So I totally understand that. And I think something else that has totally affected the rest of the world is this pandemic that we have lived through. And I think surprisingly for some people, they actually thrived during that time. And it appears that the pandemic was a time of creativity for you. So tell me how your life changed in 2020. So our daughter was two at this point. So she hadn't started formal nursery. She was in childcare with a child minded just a few days a week while I worked in London. And then when the pandemic hit, childcare options just ran out really. Our child minder decided to close down because she didn't want to put any children at risk. Right. And my husband worked from home anyway. So we all just ended up being at home. Just all three of us. <laughs> sure. Uh, my husband worked in sport, live events. So his side, his world, his job was very much put on hold because sporting events just stopped. Right. I was lucky in that my job that I had in London was able to be remotely done. So I worked two and a half days a week in this office that I'm in now recording this podcast. And he would look after our daughter. So we shared childcare. In a way, life became simpler, enjoying our daily walks together. The basics, right? It just became a time of what do we absolutely need to get through this? We need each other. We need our health. We need food, we need our house. And aside from that, we should get through this. So in many ways, a simpler time. But I'd always wanted to write a children's book. It's a weird thing that's been on my bucket list. Most people have things like bungee jumping and stuff, but I've always wanted to write a children's <laughs> book. I never thought that I would write a children's book about heart defects or surgical scars, but here we are. That's what happened. And I just have fond memories, actually, of 2020 in, in many respects, in that when our daughter was up in bed of an evening, I would come downstairs, sit at our dining room table and start plotting ideas for this book. I would also use my time to try and find the perfect illustrator, which I'm so happy that I found in the end via Instagram. And I just remember fondly just working out and learning how the hell you publish a book, how you <laughs> write a book, how do you do it? Because I knew I wanted to self-publish. I didn't want to go to any publishers. I knew I wanted to have control over that. I felt quite strongly about that because it's centered around my daughter and her story 
So I wanted to, if ever a day came in a future where she wasn't a fan of the book or wanted it pulled from bookshelves, then I was in control of that, not a publisher. So therefore I had to learn the whole writing element, putting a book together, publishing, distributing everything. And I absolutely wow. loved it. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I'm curious what resources you use to help you learn how to write a book. And this is a children's picture book, right? That's right. Yeah. So I had a lot of children's picture books because I had a two-year-old. Of course. Um, Yeah. So I think I started there. Even just learning about the the right amount of pages to have for a children's picture book, what age I could possibly be targeting. Yeah. I guess just looking at what I had in my house. I did a lot of Instagram research. I connected with a few other independent publishers as well and writers and contacted them to see how their process looked. And yeah, just pulled on any resources that I had really. That's wonderful. That's amazing. And how lovely that at the time in the world, in the universe (laughs) for us, that everything seemed to stand still. For you, it was a lovely time of reflection and family where you and your husband and your daughter, the world kind of revolved around you and the three of you and what you were doing with one another. I just love that. I think it's beautiful. And it shows how you took lemons and made lemonade out of it, (laughs) (laughs) which not everybody did. Some people were really terrified during the pandemic. So to instead move inside yourself and find that quiet time and find that opportunity because your children are only small for such a short period of time. It sounds like you reveled in spending time with your little nuclear family and growing together and seizing the moment to write the book that was on your bucket list. So I just love that. So how did you conceive of the idea for my wonderline? So I'd always been a fan, especially since having a daughter, of kids knowing their own stories and owning their own stories. I think that was compounded when Elodie had, my daughter had open heart surgery because she was so little, she would not remember it herself when it actually right. happened. So she would always be relying on me and her dad to tell her that story. And so I guess I just wanted to write something that would help other children that have had similar experiences to my daughter for them to own their own stories I think it's that simple really so I think when I thought initially of the book idea I was going down just the congenital heart defect route and then as I was writing it then I thought actually this could be broader because I did want it centered around having a surgical scar because I think it's such a very visual way of noticing that you're different to someone else right and I think for kids growing up now what they look like is so important, rightly or wrongly, wrongly mm-hmm. in many ways. And I think having a daughter, I just wanted to prepare her. The book is for her. The fact that other people have bought it is wonderful, but the book is for her. And I've always said it's a love letter to her, really, to show her strength and her courage and her resilience to get through something at such a young age. So I was hell-bent on her knowing her own story and only her own story. And it was less about the look of the scar and more about the story behind it. I think that's what resonates with people. That certainly is the feedback we got from the contest, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I loved that feedback, by the way. Thank you so much for putting my questions in. But I also, something popped into my head as I was writing the book and the book was taking sort of a different route away from just congenital heart defects into general surgery for the kids. 
I remember when I was present with energy, my tummy was of quite a size towards the end. I remember around my own belly button that I noticed a scar and I had never noticed it before because obviously your belly button pops out when you're heavily pregnant. And I remember asking my parents, you know, what is this? They only then, when I was in my mid-30s, told me that when I was born, I had a ruptured belly button. Oh my goodness. And so finding that out just compounded to me when I was thinking years later about writing this book, that why am I in my mid-30s only just finding this out? And it just underlines the importance for me, the kids to know everything they know, they need to know about their body. Their bodies are theirs and they should know everything about them. So I think that was another reason why I wanted to empower kids to be able to talk about their own bodies, talk about their stories and to be prepared for any questions that come their way and to have pride in themselves. I love that because I think when we give children the language to talk about their experiences, it takes some of the fear away from it. I think one of the things that's fearful is just not even knowing how to express yourself or not even knowing what words you could use with an experience. So what was the most challenging part of writing your book, Vicky? Uh, not being too emotional. It was so hard because I wanted to really toe the line there about it being my experience and my daughter's experience and make it translatable to other people's. I had to really, really fight to stay focused and on track. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect or CHD community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Vicki, I'm so excited to be talking to the winner of the 2020 Baby Hearts Press People's Choice Award. So can you tell me what it meant to you to win the award? I was so surprised, if I'm honest. I couldn't actually quite believe it. It was voted on by people who I would say are my most important critic. So the people that the book has meant, really meant something to, and that people who found real purpose in the book. So it wasn't just literary critics. It wasn't journalists. It was people who the book had really touched. And that was the resounding kind of feeling. I think when I first shared that I'd been shortlisted, just on my own sort of social media, my Facebook so that my family could see, I obviously put it on my book website. I put it on my own personal Instagram and my book's Instagram. And people were so friendly and nice and supportive about that news, about being shortlisted and please vote. I didn't expect to win at all. The books in the category were so amazing that I just, yeah. You had it, it was, severe it was, competition. I know yeah, you had yeah. 
a lot of competition. So what did you do especially to win the award? I will be honest with you because maybe Hearts Press is my publishing company. It was a tight race. And one of the things that I do to help me decide who the winner is, because it's not just a popularity contest, is I ask very specific questions. What character did you like best? What impressed you most about the book? Those kinds of questions. So I could see if people really read the book. Or people yeah. were just going out there voting, no, this is my favorite book, but they have no idea what the book is about. Yeah. And the feedback that we got on your book, oh my goodness, it brought me to tears. It brought me to tears. <laughs> I actually, and it's copied and pasted all of the feedback that you sent me all that was on the website as well. I just, I've kept it safe in a folder because I sometimes read it and I sometimes flip little quotes and put it on my book Instagram because. It's just so nice to see that feedback. And a lot of people buy the book for babies and babies can't feedback. Absolutely. Um, That's totally true. And whilst it's lovely to get feedback from the parents, because it means a lot to them. I've also had feedback from seven-year-olds now and 12-year-olds, et cetera. Know that it's connecting with people and the right people. So to see the feedback that you gathered as part of the vote was just amazing. It just helped solidify for me that when I had the seed of the idea for the book, that it was right to see that through. Absolutely. So what's next? Do you have another book in the works? I had titles. They're not, yeah, they're not fully formed yet at all, but I will do future books, absolutely, future children's books. I have told myself that my next one will be a bit more silly, a bit more fun, a bit more (laughs) playful, because I think I've done the heavy one. So I think I'll do something a bit lighter, but that will hopefully still resonate with kids and make them smile. You need to reach out to Carly Valentine. Do you know Carly from our group? So Vicky belongs to the Heart Community Collection, which is a group that I started with Amy M. Lee and with Jenny Muscatel. And I am so thrilled to see how our group has blossomed. But Carly is a children's book writer and she writes all kinds of books. And a lot of them do look a little bit silly, a little bit fun. And I yeah. think I can totally see you doing that. Will you team <laughs> up with the same illustrator or will you use a different illustrator? I haven't even got that far, you know, I'm just, I'm using my daughter as a case study and as research because I love to see now what makes her laugh when we're doing bedtime stories. And sometimes it's the books that have very minimal illustration and it's just about the words. And so I'm just Mm -hmm. quite intrigued. I'm just quite intrigued. Or maybe it's my delivery, you know, know, not. (laughs) but I'm just using her. I'm just asking her, why do you like this book? Especially about this book, et cetera. So She's giving me some good feedback at the moment, but it's always quite encouraging when she still requests my wonder lines at this time. And she's of that age now where she is very proud to see herself. She loves the page where there's a lineup of kids with all their different scars and the mum character showing her C-section scar. She loves all of that. So visuals are still very much important. But yeah, I love the illustrator that I use for my wonder line. Angela Mayers is such a talent. And who knows? Yeah, she's desperate, I think, to do some more animal illustration and character creature illustration so maybe i'll go down the route oh my goodness that would be so much fun does your daughter have a favorite animal it's all about the unicorn but the moment if i want to my granddaughter is all about dinosaurs oh yeah great just love love loves dinosaurs oh cute tell us where people can buy your book vicky so if you go to www.mywonderline.com you can buy the book directly there and I ship worldwide. So I've shipped to very obscure places. Yes, I can ship worldwide. <laughs> Will there be or is there an electronic version of your book? 
There isn't at the moment. It's something I have been considering. I'm also in talks with someone for international distribution as well. So guess why I'm not really progressing my future book is that I don't feel like I'm done with this one yet. I feel like there's still some more avenues for my Wonderline. So there's talk of translating it. So there's talk of turning it into a prose version. There's talk of turning it into a prose version, which doesn't rhyme, but it's more translatable into other languages. So uh, there are okay. all these other conversations going on at the moment that I'm quite interested in having. And an electronic version would fall into that as well. So many kids, like my granddaughter, she can take my son's phone and she can use it probably better than he can. And these <laughs> kids today, they have tablets and they know exactly what to do with them, which is just amazing. So I can yeah. see where having an electronic version, it would reduce the cost for a lot of people, but plus kids just grow up nowadays knowing how to use those digital books in a way that you and I did not know when we were yeah. kids growing up because it didn't exist. Maybe it did when you were a little kid, but it did when I was a little kid. Like, I'm going to write that down, Anna, as an action for me to uh, turn it into an electronic version. Thank you. There you go. There you go. Vicki, this has just been totally delightful. Thank you so much for coming on the program. It has been so much fun. And congratulations on the award. I was so excited to finally be able to talk to the winner and find out a little bit more about the behind the scenes stuff. So that makes it so much fun for me. So congratulations. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That's it for this week's episode. So guess what? Friends Buzzsprout is now allowing listeners to become subscribers. And this is a very easy way to show some love to our program. We'd love it if you would subscribe to Heart to Heart with Anna on Buzzsprout. Happy Heart Month 2023. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have become inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard at any time, wherever you get your podcasts. A new episode is released every Tuesday from noon Eastern time.